Say hello to the bad guy. The good guy coming last place. Smell that dope when I pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. All right, welcome to Say Hello to the Bad Guy. I'm your host, Locke, and this is the podcast where we drink, smoke, and bullshit about the life of a historic criminal. Now we're talking outlaws and gangsters. We're not going to cover too many serial killers. That's just a little bit dark for me, and this ain't no true crime podcast. Honestly, you can't call this a history podcast because I'm no historian. I'm just a history fan that does some research and bullshits about it with his friends. So speaking of my friends, let me introduce you to my co-host. So first with us, we got Tank. What's up, y'all? Got my bib overalls. Got my cooler beer. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> ready to roll. Also with us today, we got Tone. What up? Then on the fourth mic, we got Bugs. Arm in a sling, and I'm feeling mean. What's up? <laughs> Some white guy rapping. Oh my god! So I said hello, and the other one, you get mad. You know, I came with some flavor. That's all. You want to kick us off, Tank? What you got to drink? Uh, Have we decided on a name, what we're going to call this? It's a tough one. It's it's from a brewery called Hop Butcher for the World. That's their name. And they're out of Chicago, Illinois. GRD in the area. Ah, fuck. Anyways, uh, it's double IPA, 7.5%. It's got Eldorado, Citra, and Mosaic hops. So it's got that murky, hazy IPA popular like ipa taste to it it's got some spices in there it's pretty good if i was gonna give it a rating <laughs> i don't know why that was so funny to me just beer snobbing it up man i really want to hear i really want to hear this rating now bro i've never where's this at i've never wanted a rating so bad in my life if i was gonna give it a rating on a scale of five i'd give it a solid 4.3 <laughs> you can just start doing commercials, man. Now we're gonna go to the tank beer segment. Right. I want so like I was I was super excited to come podcast today, and I was like sitting there on the way over. I was like, I gotta say something different when they announce us. And the first one, I was like, What's up, y'all? And like, ah, fucking blew it. So in this one, <laughs> this one, I'm like, I got my fucking overalls, got my. Fucking... <laughs> So I was still riding that that juice with my beer intro. I liked it. It was going well. A quick little giggle break, and you picked it back up. <laughs> yeah. It's not a tank joke without a giggle break. <laughs> it's it's his joke structure. Thinking loudly, usually like a uh, or something like that. <laughs> then the intro, giggle break, punchline. Gotcha. <laughs> Tone, what do you got to drink today? Uh, I got one from the Big Lake Brewery. I never had it before. My oh, man, Tank has. Cotton candy haze. I, I like it. What's the rating? About a five. I'll give it a four. Is it very cotton candy-y? No, that's why I like it. Because I, I was just going to say, like, I, I was hoping that it wasn't, like, cotton candy tasting. But, like, right. it, it just gives you that slight aftertaste, you know, kind of sweet. That hint. But, yeah. But nice. it's still it's still a hazy IPA, so. So, uh, Bugs, you're uh, on the mend, so you're not drinking today? You got me some hard cider, just a uh, apple cider from I believe Blake's. You know, drinking local. So I got Yingling again. I've been drinking it a lot more lately, only because going back down to Ohio, my son's back in school, so I've been down there a lot, and uh, I pick it up every time I'm down there. So Yingling's uh, America's oldest brewery in Pottsville, Pennsylvania. So 
I like to drink Bud Light. Like if I'm watching the fights or if I'm hanging out where I'm drinking a lot, like on the podcast or if I'm having dinner or stuff like that, I drink good beers too, but I drink a lot of Bud Light, but I just can't bring myself to do it on the podcast. Like I got to at least do something. So I feel like if I go with a Yingling, it's like drinking a Bud Light, but it gives it just enough flair that I can pass it by as an acceptable drink. Before we get started, I got to make sure we take the time to thank Sixfold Swaino for letting us use his music in the intro. We got to thank Cancer for letting us use his music in the mid-roll. Uh, you can follow them on Instagram at Sixfold Swaino. It's F-O-E. And then you can follow Cancer at Cancer the God. The E is a three. If you're having a hard time finding any of the links, you can go to our website, badguypodcast.com, and you can click everything through there. And then you can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at badguypodcast. And Twitter at the Bad Guy Pod. So we'll go ahead and get started, and the bad guy we're covering today is Constantino Paul Castellano. This ain't negotiation time. This is Scarface, final scene, fucking bazookas under each arm. Say hello to my little friend. I like the sound of this already. It's fucking Nick Castellano's brother. So we got Constantino Paul Castellano, a.k.a. Big Paul. So... Paul Castellano was born June 26, 1915, in Bensonhurst, New York, which was considered a middle-class Brooklyn neighborhood. Both of his parents were new immigrants from Sicily, but his dad was a a successful butcher that sold numbers part-time for the Mangano family. So maybe a possible introduction to the life already? He said, like, successful butcher, and I just, for some reason, I thought of, like, a butcher who ain't doing too good, like... (laughs) You ain't, like, nobody's buying his meat for some reason. I'm like, well, that actually kind of makes sense, because there probably is a lot of places where I wouldn't buy no fucking meat, so. Well, in uh, early 1900s, <laughs> just like uh, tailoring and haberdasheries, you know, butcher was a much more of a trade. There wasn't big supermarkets, yeah. and f- refrigeration and HVAC wasn't what it was. So you were having to go get your meat, like, steady, like, almost every day and shit like that, so. Oh, gotcha. It was an important trade. Just like I said, like a tailor, that was a big deal in the early 1900s. Now there's barely any tailors open. I went to this uh, shoe repair place recently, and it's a guy who's said he's older than me, and his dad started the business, and he's been doing it his whole life. And he said when his dad started doing it, there was 180,000 shoe repair places worldwide. Hmm. Now there's less than 1,500. Wow. It's just something that, because nobody does it anymore. They just throw away their shoes or whatever, get new ones, and... Real quick, though, are they still referred to as cobblers? Uh, I don't know. I think it only see. I only seen it as uh, shoe repair, but I think a cobbler you actually build the shoe. Yeah, Daniel Day Lewis would not agree that repair men are called cobblers. You have to build the whole shoe to be considered a cobbler. I don't even know who that is. Ah, Wait, you said Daniel Day Lewis? He played the butcher in uh, Gangs of New York. I know who you're talking about. As we've heard, oftentimes, uh, with kids around this age, Paul was a disinterested student. He dropped out of school in the eighth grade and went to work with his dad, learning a trade, first as a butcher, and then soon after as a numbers runner. Oh, so exactly what I said. He tried to play it off for a little bit, but he couldn't keep the numbers side away from him. After a while, he had to, he had to coach him up on that, too. As a teenager, Paul grew to 6'2". And he would buy a lot of fancy suits. Like, he always had money because he was a good tradesman. He was a good butcher. And he was running some numbers since he was a little kid. So he'd always buy a bunch of flashy suits and stuff like that. He was a tall guy. He looked the role. But he was always viewed as more of a butcher than a racketeer. So he tried to start trying to earn a name for himself in the underworld. He looked up to his older cousin, Carlo Gambino. Carlo Gambino 
was made at 19 years old on the other side and came over from Sicily. And he was this big shot rising star in the Magano crime family. And uh, he's just over there killing the game. And Big Paul's like, yeah, they still they still think I'm a butcher. <laughs> how many suits I buy. They think all I do is cut meat. So Paul tries to step up his uh, gangsterness. In 1934, him and two accomplices, they were in Hartford, Connecticut for a party. And he decided, you know what? We're out here in the middle of nowhere. Nobody's going to know us. This is a good time to get into some gangster shit. We're going to go rob the we're going to go rob this clothes store over there. And uh, him and his two buddies went in. He had a gun. He didn't have a safe and there was no money in the register. So they took $51 out of his wallet. And that's all he had. And uh, they jumped back in the car and took off. But it was Paul's own car. So someone just got the plate off of it. Oh. And uh, by the time it took him to drive back to New York, they were just waiting for him. So Paul gets back to New York and he gets arrested for armed robbery. Over $51. He was convicted of armed robbery and sentenced to one year in prison. But word gets out because when he's on the stand, when he gets questioned, he described his two accomplices as unknown hitchhikers that he met on the road. (laughs) And then he gets sentenced to a year, but he only ends up doing three months because of good time. And then he gets out and he finds out like his stock had rose because the word got out that he wasn't a snitch. So now all of a sudden he's this uh, hotshot commodity in the criminal underworld. Those two dudes are waiting for him to get out of prison like the cops were waiting for him to arrest him. Like, hey, hey, buddy. Well, what's cool is I thought that story took a good turn from what I was hearing. I was like, so this dude's going to suck. He's not that good. But then what turned out to be not a, <laughs> a good job turned out to be like it worked in his favor. I mean, I think a lot of these guys early on to have some failures and shit like that. It's kind of part of the learning process of becoming a gangster. Get arrested. You do so. It's when you learn if you're a gangster or not. It's easy to be a gangster when you're walking down the street in a suit. It's harder to be a gangster when they're questioning you and you could get off. Now he had hit the radar of his cousin, Carlo Gambino, who is now a capo. And he took Paul under his wing. And he told Paul, he said, the reason I need you in, I need people that I can trust. And we're, we're family. I need people like we could trust. And I need people that are smart. So he's like, look, I got all these gangsters to do all this gangster stuff. We need some smart people that we could trust. And we could kind of build something here. Make some real fucking money. So he takes Paul under his wing. Uh, one of the first things he taught him, he's tried, he told him to treat it like a businessman and not as a gangster. So don't take it all personal. This is what we do. This is our this is our job. You can't run around being a badass gangster all day, every day. That's exhausting. Mm-hmm. You know, you can never make no money while you're doing that. So one of Paul's first ideas was he thought it was real stupid. All the other guys that owed him money. So he put money on the street and run gambling dens. And all these people, when these people would owe him money, they'd show up and beat him up and they'd break their legs and stuff like that. And then it made them harder to earn their money. And now you got a full-time job chasing around these people so he said anybody that owed him money he just forced them to legally sign over pieces of their business to him so once you owed him any money he would just say look i'm not going to beat you up that's not going to get anything done just give me quarter your your butcher shop your hat shop whatever you got you know what i mean your taxi cab we're yeah, good you're like okay i'll do it like no legally sign the paperwork though you're just giving this to me yeah yeah that's fucking genius move on his part because every gangster is trying to get that above the table money well, early on, it becomes a giant earner because he constantly has money rolling in from all these like diverse business interests. Mm-hmm. So he just owns 10%, 25%, 30% of just all these businesses around town. Well, and that, like what you're saying, it's legal, so you can't get in trouble because you're like, look, no, they signed this. Here's a contract. Right. We're good to go. Right. So you kind of did some crime shit because you made them owe you the money to sign it over. But once once you got that, that's just that's your business. You own that. That's yours forever. 
Of course he'd say I'm a criminal who took his business from him. I mean, w wouldn't you if you if you gave up half your business too, officer? I'm not even a gangster. I just own a butcher shop. Okay, so try to keep track of this, right? So him and Carlo, they're super tight. They're cousins, and they're learning. They're becoming mobsters together. He's on the rise. Paul's his little cousin, but he's a big dude, and he's his right hand guy. And in 1937, Paul marries his childhood sweetheart, who was also Carlo's sister-in-law. But then Carlo married Paul's sister, who would also be his first cousin also. Yeah, this don't sound right to me. Yeah. And oddly enough, Carlo Gambino's parents were both uh, first cousins also. So they're brother-in-laws by a bunch. But they're actually cousins. But they're... I don't know. You get it. Whole bunch so, of relations. Yeah. yeah. So they're, they're, they're so fucking related, they can't even keep <laughs> track with it. There's only so many titties to go around back then. <laughs> Boom! There it is. But yeah, so they get married. Paul would go on to have four children. He continued to learn the ropes under Carlo for over, over a decade as the two grew closer. In 1951, with the disappearance of Vincent Mangano, Albert Anastasia, who is known as the Lord High Executioner, which is a dope fucking nickname. God, fucking hell. It's not like a guy's name that you, you know, in a fighting video game or something. Right, yeah, like the a fucking executioner. comic book or some shit. Star Wars or Mortal Kombat or <laughs> yeah. some shit like that. Star Combat. Fucking mix all that shit together and that's where you get that fucking name from. <laughs> yeah, so Albert the Lord High Executioner Anastasia. He... <laughs> <laughs> like, and that's one of those where it's like Anastasia, so at the end you're like kind of like... <clears throat> And then you're like, hey, look, the fucking Lord High Executioner, all right, man? You don't get that name for being a puppy dog, I guess. Well, for helping him win the Castellamare's war, he was awarded Murder, Inc. to run. He's that guy. All right. You know, Hey, if you kill enough people for us, we'll give you an opportunity to kill some more. I'm down. The Lord High Executioner loves killing. <laughs> so Anastasia and Albert Anastasia probably had a, a role in Vincent Mangano's disappearance, because Mangano disappears, and Albert Anastasia takes over as the new boss, promoting Carlo to his underboss, and Paul gets moved up to Capo. Moving up quick. It's easy when you got the Lord fucking high executioner just taking dudes out that's in your way and shit. Well, I mean, and he's been riding Carlo's coattails all the way from fucking Sicily. Carlo had to bang it out through, like, Prohibition and the fucking... Well, not Prohibition, he's... Yeah, yeah prohibition the castle Lamare's war and shit and then that was done he's like i don't need no more soldiers is there anybody smart around here and paul was like doo, 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 doo. <laughs> i don't tell yep he's like i'll take them <laughs> eighth grade here those guys only been through fourth so uh carlo gets moved up to underboss but he had bigger plans and then on october 25th 1957 albert anastasia was killed while sitting in a barber chair at the park west hotel in new york Oh, oh, I've okay. seen this picture before. Damn, for yeah. a second there, I thought his shirt was off. Like, I guess it just kind of like flew up or something. I was like, what kind of barber shop is this? Like, well, his shirt, the chest too. His shave the whole thing. His shirt might be off there, but I think they might have cut it off. Oh, like well, we do it in some kind, like as a sense. crime scene or something. <laughs> right. But this is a pretty famous picture. So they actually, like Tony, you said this looks familiar. This is at your uh, barber. Yeah, I was gonna say I was seeing it at my barber shop. Like, yeah, that's good for repeat business. Uh, somebody walks in, they don't know what the fuck's going on, and they see that picture, and they're like, well, this is the last time I'm getting my hair cut at this place. Yeah, but he he had a routine of going there, and when he got killed, he actually had towels over his face. So he was in the chair with the chair back and the towels on his face when the shooters came in and killed him. So Carlo took over as boss of the family. 
And in order to prevent interfamily conflict, he ends up promoting Anastasia Loyalist and feared gangster Neil Delacroix to underboss. So Neil Delacroix, he was Albert Anastasia's guy. So he was like this street gangster. He was this, you know, hard ass tough guy and shit. And uh, when Anastasia got killed, he was fucking furious. But Carlo takes over, and at the end of the day, it sucked and it was a hard pill to swallow. But Carlo was the new boss now. So I was like, well, that's bullshit, but that's the life we're in. Respect yeah. the chair. Okay. So he was he was obsessed, but not to the point where he wanted to break rank. Obsessed. Right. Gotcha. I think it's the thing where, uh, like in the military, they say you, you salute the uniform, not the man. So it doesn't fucking matter if you like him or not, or if he's a dick or if he's a piece of shit. That rank is that rank. It's just a uniform walking around. You salute to that. Yeah. So he was pissed, but now you have a decision. Now we go to war or we make nice. He just decided, well, it is what it is. They gave him the nod as underboss, kind of as a consolation prize. So Neil takes it, but the whole time Paul was always still his right-hand man. So he's the boss, Neil's the underboss, but Paul's kind of like... The real underboss. Right, because that's his <laughs> his brother-in-law and his cousin and his sister-in-law's husband. All right. So that's his guy. To the point where... His position in, in, as an underworld power was solidified when he accompanied Carlo Gambino to the 1957 Appalachian meeting. So I know we kind of covered that on here. I was going to say that sounded very familiar. So this was a giant commission meeting that was held. They are going to recognize Carlo Gambino and Vito Genovese as the new bosses of their families. They're going to, you know, Vito Genovese, new kind of uh, boss of bosses. And, you know, it was a who's who. Just the, the top brass from all over. Paul Castellano at 42 was one of the youngest guys there. Like I said, it made him a, a, a legit power. Same thing we talked about Nick Savella. When Nick Savella went to the, the Appalachian meeting as the new boss of Kansas City, it makes it all, like, legit. The meeting gets raided. He was one of 61 high-ranking members arrested. He actually he tried to book it. He got caught, and, uh, like, his suit was all ripped up and muddy. He tried to book it, like, across a cornfield or some shit. Mm-hmm. You said Big Paul was the youngest one at 42? Mm-hmm. That's still tough to get going at that age, man. Right. And, yeah, 6'2", 42, and not, like, Built. a former athlete. You know what I mean? Yeah. This guy's been a mob. He's been mobbing for fucking, you know, over no. two decades now and shit. You know how much spaghetti that man's ate? <laughs> Damn straight. Well, I didn't say he fucking, so then he hops out the window, shoulder rolls out, hoofs it, and they never see him again. I said, no, he, they caught him with a fucking, they didn't even, when they caught him, he was dirty with a rip suit. He tripped in the field or something. <laughs> he did a 12-4-40 and couldn't get away. <laughs> but he refused to give up any information at all the people, 61 people were arrested. There was hundreds and there's over a hundred in attendance. He was one of the only attendees that finally ended up getting charged. And in 1960, he kind of ended up as the scapegoat. And he was found guilty of conspiracy and sentenced to five years in prison. He still wasn't snitching, huh? No, and he didn't snitch again. And he ended up getting out in seven months. He actually beat the case on appeal. So he's found guilty. They gave him five five years. And then uh, while he was doing his time, they fought it and got him back out. And he was out in seven months. And then now the same thing happened again, but now all the people, it wasn't two guys from the neighborhoods he didn't snitch on. Right. It was all the, the big top names. brass of the whole fucking country. Right. Damn straight. And so, that, was, that, that was the meeting, correct me if I'm wrong, that you told us where the federal government finally started recognizing the mob after this bust, right? Yeah, that's when they had to start doing like so you know imagine. investigations because this was their proof that it's a criminal conspiracy it's I mean, not random gangs like you got dallas 
Pittsburgh, Philly, yeah. all in the same room. Okay, this is a nationwide conspiracy. The so big picture got busted. Just as made as he could get from the mafia, the federal government was ready to make him the same way if he would have just turned snitch at that point. So for him to have those brass fucking lugs in his cage, man... That's some good guts yeah. there to not not snitch and make it through. He better cool. have gotten mad respect after this. Other than not snitching, all he has is he's a butcher. Ass fucking gift or something like. That's what he brings to the table. Is I don't snitch. Right. Yeah. You do a whole lot of badass crime. Like uh, I know I own a bunch of businesses and I don't tell. <laughs> put it all on me, boss. Like, <laughs> no, you're the young guy. No, put it all on me. I'll be out in six months. Don't worry about it. But yeah, so he gets back on the field. Now his reputation as a stand-up man is secured. So what we're going to do, we're going to take a quick smoke break, refill our drinks, and we'll be back in a minute. Everywhere the lights create an atmosphere 
Water in your lungs, you pray for death, but life is here. You're about to die, face it, you're about to die. Zero sand in your glass, fuck it, you can't even cry. Put a dagger to your neck, just to keep yourself in check. Put a dagger to your neck, just to keep yourself in check. Everybody grab a side as you fight to stay alive. Dancing on a hand grenade so you can die and they survive. Silver bullets in the sky, dropping seven second death. Scattering the children, run, rub until there's nothing left. Ashes in the water, sons and daughters holding flags up high. Wallowing the harbor as the military tanks arrive. Penetrate the border with disorder like an animal. Every war has the honor of turning kings into cannibals. So support for Say Hello to the Bad Guys brought to you by Manscaped, who's the best in men's blow-the-waist grooming. They offer precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. And Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code BADGUY at manscaped.com. We got, we all got the performance kits. You guys all got your kits, right? I ask that every show. I know you guys got them. Now, yeah. so my bad. But yeah, it's uh, if you get the performance kit, that's like the Cadillac package. You get the lawnmower 4.0. You get the weed whacker, ear and nose trimmer. You get the crop reviver, the crop preserver, which is all both uh, like ball deodorants. Comes with like a travel case. And, underwear yeah anti-chafing underwear and some uh the fake newspapers that turns out they're mats so that you put them on the ground collect all your pubes yeah throw it out nice yep. little shaving mat and shit yep but uh yeah the uh little i gave my balls a little spritz coming out the shower today so i named my nuts andre 3000 and big boy because they are fresh and so clean clean hey and i would say that if nothing else <laughs> You know, the 4.0, it's a little bit over the top for you. You know what I mean? You just go into 70s jungles bush. At least get the fucking crop preserver and the crop reviver. And, there you, you know, go. Freshen your shit up a mm. little bit. And then they have a whole like suite of products. So they got lip balm. They got foot deodorant. All um, the standard toiletries. Yeah, anything you want. Regular face trimmers. Um, and anything you go anything you go and get, use the promo code bad guy, and it helps the podcast. So you don't got to go get the, you know, lawnmower 4.0. Oh, they got the uh, the man wipes. Those be real yeah. good too. Yeah. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code badguy at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code badguy. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. All right, we're back. Over the next few years, I mean, he's just been kind of grinding away as a captain for decades. Uh, becomes a top earner. He brings in millions himself. He started a business called Blue Ribbon Meats that was like a butcher company. And uh, he had been growing that for a long time. And then eventually, as he got deeper with more connections, he turned into a larger company called Dial Poultry. And uh, Dial Poultry, they distributed chicken to over 300 major grocers and butchers and food providers across New York. And what he would do was he would use either the mob muscle or union labor to force people into taking his chicken. (laughs) 
and then he would make extra money on his chicken because his chicken was pretty gross. They used to have different things that they could do to like fucking put these chemicals on it. Well, stuff that they do now with meat all the time, like preservatives and shit. Uh-huh. So they'd spray down the chicken with shit to make it look pink again, like right when it was about ready to throw out oh, and shit. Fuck. And fucking, you know, they'd spray it with some shit and make it look pink again and send it out and sell it. So he was able to make ton of extra money because he didn't have like spoil. Like he'd send that shit out with maggots and you get it. And oh, you'd be like, fuck. hey, dude, uh, what's up with the chicken? And he'd be like, I don't know. What's wrong? Yeah. Something wrong with your chicken? I don't know what to tell you. I got second grade education and fourth grade education. You got a problem with chicken, yeah. you take it up with them. <laughs> the two guys behind me. Fuck, man. Oh, well, yeah, that would suck, too. You buy that yeah. shit, you fucking... Oh. Well, well so, as you were going through this, I was like, oh, he's a pretty good businessman. Like, I don't even see the real issue here. But then, no, <laughs> he's pretty shady. That's... Yeah. yeah, and from, you know, as a big man, that's appalling to me. Like, don't you <laughs> sell me no fucking spoiled meat, you son of a bitch. Well, look, it was so bad. Some places just ordered his chicken as his business loss and actual, and then ordered actual chicken. <laughs> so they would get, they would have to order double the oh, chicken okay. because they would know like half the time his chicken fucking sucked anyways. And they didn't want to sell that to their people, but yeah, donate this you to gotta, the dog food factory and yeah. feed our customers that. All right, I gotcha. And then he also became a huge construction kingpin through his work in concrete. His son was the president of Scaramix Concrete Corporation, which basically had a monopoly on all the concrete in Staten Island. And then anything that was off of Staten Island and any of the other boroughs, he represented the Gambinos and the Commission's Concrete Club, which was all the top players from all the different families. And they had a group where they would pass around the top bids. So any bid that came in over $2 million, that would have to go past the, the Concrete Club and the Commission to see if it would get, get through. The Concrete Club. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. So it basically drove the prices in uh, New York construction to the highest in the country because, well, yeah, because these mobsters were able to set the price. They are getting the bids. Another thing he had was, in addition to that, he had the local Teamsters Union, local Chapter 28. He was a representative there. So they had the concrete companies, but they also had the labor also. Okay. So they could make the call. You had to do it to you know you had to pay their price if you wanted to build a building in new york which people like to do hey you like the progress on your building so far yeah it's looking (laughs) great ah the price just doubled (laughs) you got that money while we're talking about it you like chicken (laughs) i know a guy taking my workers off tomorrow well and he was like the top concrete guy so the concrete club the commission loved him because that money got kicked around a piece of that went to all the families so the other families that aren't working with them all the time, they're like, okay, so Paul Castellano never tells on anybody and he's making us fucking millions of dollars in concrete. And everybody says like, remember there's a big thing about like Donald Trump with his mob, mob ties. And it's not even a thing where it's mob ties, but if he is also a builder though, and it didn't matter anybody that was building, okay. it's just part of doing the businesses. If that's who you signed, if that's who did the contract, that's mobbed up, not because you're in the mob because... They got a piece of every yard of concrete laid in New York. Damn. Which, for the record, is where we lay the most concrete. Damn straight. Yeah, there's, like, fucking zero non-concrete in New York. So Paul's, like, rich, rich. Like, even other mobsters are like, God damn, this guy's fucking rich. You know, he has all of his different little business interests. He's got this huge chicken company. He's got all his concrete shit. You know, like I said, his son runs his concrete company. He's just got, like, generational wealth. Like, he's just making shitloads of money. And then, under the leadership of Carlo and Neil... The Gambinos began to rival the Genovese as the powerhouse family of the American Mafia. 
So Carlo became the first boss, not from the original Luciano family, to be referred to as the Capo di Tutacapi, the boss of bosses. Okay. So that had been all the Luciano family guys all the way up. Like, he was the first guy from a different family to kind of take over that title. Carlo was? Yeah. A lot of people say that Carlo Gambino could be, like, the most powerful mob boss of all time. He's up there, like, with Accardo, where he's like, you know, he did it quiet, he did it for decades. He, he did, like, three years for tax evasion when he was, like, 30. You know what okay. I mean? And then the rest of his year, he just skated, he'd always skated through. His son became a capo in the family after he went to college and got a business degree. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Gambino, we'd like to make you an offer at our company. No thanks, I've got job prospects after school and family business. <laughs> you seen The Godfather, where uh, Tom Hagen, the Godfather's lawyer, you know, they say something about, like, trying to hire him for, you know, or where do you work for, blah, blah, blah. He's like... He said, I work for a private practice. It's very select. Yep. <laughs> to say the least. In the 70s, an aging Carlo becomes bedridden due to heart disease. On his deathbed, Carlo surprised everyone when he skipped over Neil and appointed his brother-in-law, Paul Castellano, the new boss of the Gambino family. I mean, and I can see it because right. every yard of concrete does a lot for Carlo's come up, Carlo's stay in power. I mean, you know. I'm not trying to say he made, you know, you know what I'm saying. He he supported that man's power, in yeah. my opinion, through his general, like, personality by all the other families and stuff. I mean, that does a lot to smooth shit over. So I could see the skip. I could see the fucking Whereas, nepotism and, you know. Yeah, nepotism's a, of, a big one, too. In a lot of families, the story could have been these two brothers worked their way all the way up. One brother made it. The other one got jealous and killed him. So, like, they wrote it all the way out. Yeah, Paul deserves this. Stayed quiet, made his money, that's all. Well, many of the Gambinos disagreed with you. Oh, okay. And they thought that uh, Paul didn't earn it. Well, so a lot of the Gambinos don't know him. He's a businessman. He was always kind of aloof. He did his own thing. He made his own money. He answered to Carlo. So it's kind of like the, the hotshot uh, boss's kid at your work. Just kind of shows up when he wants. And so from their perspective, they're like, oh, he's making a ton of money and killing it. But as a dude, that's there grinding it out every day. Ah, I see. You're like... that. That's a whole side I didn't even think of. Who's this guy? Well, the other thing was Neil was a well-respected old-school gangster. He worked his way up from the street. So a lot of his guys, he ran like the extortion and the gambling and the murdering. You know, while Paul is running this chicken scheme, <laughs> and he's cracking heads open. So and I mean, one hand does wash the other, but I guess when you're on the labor side of the deal, you, you can't see that. So I get it. If I was Paul, I'd shut everything down. Like, you know what? Chicken, stop. Concrete, nope. Hey, look at you. See this? That's me. That's me. We need your intimidation to make our fucking scams go through. Otherwise, we got no leg to stand on. Come on. Bring me the money from your poker game. Yeah. Let's let's see what we have going on here, bro. So a large faction of the Street Racket members were furious, including Rising Star and Neil Delacroix's protege, a uh, captain named John Gotti. When their big thing also was that Paul wasn't a street guy. They were like, well, I mean, he's always had money. He's never had to want. They always said he wasn't a gangster's gangster. I went with these pictures because if there's one thing else you can see is Gotti was at least yeah. a gangster's gangster's. Because none of these pictures are even probably the Gotti that you've seen. You right. know what I mean? He don't even have the gray hair yet. So that's like Gotti's that guy. The 17 mugshots guy. Yep. And he came up under Neil Delacroix. And now Carlo dies. And Paul skips him and goes to the top. And John Gotti's like, you know what? Neil, we're the muscle. Fuck it. Let's kill him. The only thing was that 
Neil was so old school that he told all his backers that as much as he disagreed with the decision, Carlo was the boss, and he loved Carlo, and if that's what Carlo wants, then that's the call. Damn, he is fucking staunch on that. All right. Holy shit. Nice. Wasn't expecting that one. Yeah, so he said, look, yeah, he's bullshit, and yeah, you're right. Paul's not a street guy, and he doesn't deserve his family, but Carlo was a street guy, and he's the boss of his family, and he said, Paul's the boss, so Paul's the boss, and rule number one... We can't kill the boss. Salute the uniform. I mean, <laughs> salute the uniform. <laughs> right. And you can't, because you shoot yourself in the foot if you do, because then you're boss. And then, hey, what's the fucking. Well, right. You set the tone now. Yeah, now we just come straight. Bosses. And then yeah. we're all bosses at that point in time. In an effort to avoid all out war, Paul asked Neil to stay on as his underboss. And Neil accepts. So Paul thought this was a smart move. And he thought, like, okay, this will smooth everything over. And I still have Neil up as my top guy. In reality, what it did was it immediately split the family in two factions. Oh, shit. All right. So you had all these street guys that are out, you know, like I said, doing your extortion, your gambling, your prostitution, like your common, right? You know what I mean? Your everyday headbanging type stuff. They're all reporting directly to Neil. And then Paul kind of has his guys that he'd already been interacting with. So they're like Tommy Bellotti, who's in the plumbing unions with them. And Thomas Gambino, who's his nephew that went to college. It's like completely different groups of guys and he thought would bring it the family together and in reality it just made it like two clear different families basically in one so we're not the gambinos we're i actually seen sammy the bull at one point called it he said we had the paul wing and the neil wing it makes sense because uh how many dudes out there were like neil who respected the you know rank and file but maybe didn't like paul and said, hey, you know, maybe this is my time to let loose. Like, I, you know, fuck it. As long as we're splitting into two, I got Neil's back or whatever, you know. So, yeah. damn, that's that's wild. And so there had to be a couple guys that floated in between the wings and stuff. Like, Well, there definitely were. There are some people that just, you get stuck with your side depending on where your boss is from. Yeah. Right? Whoever your boss follows is who you go. But, right. like I said, so you, all these guys, they hate fucking Paul. And they're like, this is bullshit. Neil's the fucking man. But then you go over, and his nephew, Thomas, is like, I don't know. You know how much he brings in in construction? <laughs> Paul's the fucking, it's the obvious yeah. choice. Tommy Bellotti's his right-hand man. He's like, yeah, we've took, we, we run all these unions. So it's just different mindsets of how this thing is running <laughs> And as good as Carlo was, maybe that's something that he didn't do a great job of, is he thought it was smart to kind of keep it separate, but maybe it was too separate. Now you got a civil war going. Well, and who knows? It could have been separate when Carlo was there, and it just wasn't talked about. Right, he just had enough respect to keep it under wraps. Like, even though this is a thing, at the end of the day, Carlo's up on top, and what we, no matter which side you're on, we all agree Carlo's the man. Yeah, right? yeah. You got enough people that came up with you. Then you could get that luxury, I guess, if you were Carlo. But for Paul, I guess, well, obviously, like you said, he didn't get that luxury. That's that's interesting. All right, that's going to be the end of part one of the Paul Castellano story. We'll be back next week with part two. To the bad guy, bad guy. the good guy coming last place. Last Smell place. that dope when I pass by. Oh. I let my money at a fast pace. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. The good guy coming last place. Smell the dope when I pass by. Oh. I let my money at a fast pace. We was down bad, my mama had.
had to be dads. Pay my birthdays in the trap. We had to work with what we had. She been working on a raise while trying to raise me like a man. Plus my daddy in the box and all my cousins in the cam. And, and I don't need a hundred friends. I just want a hundred bands, a hundred jugs, a hundred scams. Ay, ay. So I don't money gram the hundred hams. I don't money grabbed a bunch of And bands. I ain't wanna fall victim to that system or the pistols. Fuck a judge with a grudge. I'm blowing crud for my mental life. Ay. And I still keep it on me. Run into your big homie. First you meet your dead homie. Ay. Yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. The good guy coming last place. You smell that dope when I pass by. Pass by. I let like my money at a fast pass. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. Bye. 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 Bye.